Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Why This Film, the podcast where we take a movie from your childhood, rewatch it and have a chat about it. I'm Emily Slade and welcome back. You've watched it so many times before and now you're gonna watch it again. But it's been so many years since you last saw it and now you show it to your friends and they're like, what? What am I watching? Why? What? Why? Why this film? And I'm joined today by my dad. Hello, dad. Hello, Emma. <laughs> what? I, yeah, Tony Slade, whatever. Yeah. Um, and his chosen film is... Bless you! Is Zulu, 1964. The um, IMDb breakdown is... Outnumbered British soldiers do battle with Zulu warriors at Rourke's Drift. Would you say that's an accurate... That's fairly accurate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the the fact they called it a battle, it was part of another battle. But yeah, it, for movie purposes, that's fine. It is two hours and eighteen minutes. But when I was younger, it felt like it lasted my entire life. It's a you, surprisingly enough. Um, what's your relationship with this movie? As far as I can recall, it was the first film that I was taken to by my sister that my parents thought was unsuitable despite the fact that it was a you it's a you um but it has got quite a lot of violence in it and mm. bare ladies chests which was oh. quite woo for but uh, yeah there was there was there was different um thoughts on who you could show bear in the 1960s than now squish um, it was a totally different world. It was the year before the Race Relations Act in the UK and the fact that it's a native army against the British army is... Yeah, it was it was different world. So two things about this movie. Mm. One, it introduced Michael Caine yeah. in his first full-length feature role. So the role had actually gone to somebody else, but they got sick and then Michael Caine was at a party and this dude was like, yo, did you still want that role you auditioned for? And he was like maybe and then he was like well we'll leave tomorrow for africa and so he left the party and packed his bags and then he was in zulu but it's not michael kane doing michael kane it's michael kane doing oh yes not a good old boy which was really weird yeah he, he plays um he plays a young officer although the the two officers concerned in in real life were more stanley baker's age than michael kane's age but um yeah he was he was a new young bright thing in this in this film, which is quite interesting, considering the career he's had since, which has gone on forever. I, of course, know Michael Caine from Muppet Christmas Carol, and I think he does just as good a job in that as he does here in Zulu. My second thing about this movie, well, actually, there's three things. The second thing was that there was a woman, a woman. There was a woman in the movie, which I wasn't expecting. She sucked, but she was there. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that um, she actually didn't exist in real life, but she plays the daughter of the missionary at the station, who actually was real and did exist, was actually played in the film by by a very famous British actor um, who'd appeared in loads of war movies and whatever. Um, he's playing this, I think he's a Danish um, missionary, 
um, who 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 basically disappeared before the Zulus did in real life, but they, they he sort of gets a cameo role in it where he's trying to put the soldiers off and everything, which is quite amusing. And... It's weird, because in real life, apparently, his daughters walked out of the screening because they were, like, disgusted with the way that their father had been portrayed in this movie, because he's portrayed as an alcoholic coward who's like, the Zulus are going to kill y'all, everybody leave! And then he just, like, gets sent away. And they were like, hmm, that's not fair. Yeah, because to be a missionary in Africa in the 1870s, um, when uh, when white missionaries was trying to s- spread the good word amongst the, the natives and show them the benefits of civilization, um, you had to be a fairly robust Christian. So imagine these people are living miles away from civilization, there's nothing else there, normally on their own against quite antagonistic and and um, sometimes hostile um, local people. You weren't anybody's wimp if you were a missionary mm-hmm. in the 19th century. Um, but, yeah, it's just... The, the main focus was to get onto the, uh, onto the battle. Uh, yeah, which lasts pretty much the entire movie. Um, but before we go into that, the third thing was that it wasn't as racist as I thought it was going to be. Well... I think that was down to Stanley Baker. Who yeah, he was, literally did. He who literally was the producer and, and, and wanted to show... As, and again, it had an impression on me as a young kid. It's the first time I'd ever seen, like, the native enemy, whether it be um, Native Americans or Native Africans or, or Native Chinese or anybody represented in a British film, um, where they weren't just... Stupid foreigners mm-hmm. um, that they were shown to be quite well organised, sensible, heroic. Clever. In fact, I mean, yeah, they were that you know. That and the, and the part of that explanation is taken by uh, again a real life character in the movie who was actually a Boer, which was a um, Dutch colonist in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, who was explaining to the the English officers about how the Zulus fought and the fact that their whole society was based on a military structure and organisation. It was shockingly not racist. Like, if anything, the Zulus came off better looking than the British. Because fundamentally, I think the reason... They're never going to remake... I think they did remake it with Orlando Bloom, but nobody watched it. But, like, they're never going to... They don't make movies like this anymore because fuck colonialism like we were in their country right for no reason yeah and and in fact it's 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 a very shameful episode um in british military history because already in in colonial africa there we'd taken over loads of other people's countries and we were actually there supporting the dutch settlers because we had cape colony which is further down and they had a piece of land called Natal, which was basically where all the Dutch settlers went when the British came. And they wanted to get into Zululand because it was full of diamonds and gold. Oh, fuck off. Um, yeah. This is there, the thing. It was ba- daylight robbery. So, so basically the, 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 the British army went supporting the Zulus' incursion over the Buffalo River, which is where Rorts Drift is, um, to, to basically stir up a war with the Zulus... So they could kill them all and take their land. It so was then, so then very high when class they were like, "Oh, the Zulus is killed," because this movie opens with us learning. Well, it it technically opens with us looking at the Zulus in their home 
sort of place having like a marriage ceremony and like doing some cool stuff and we're all like cool look at the fun Zulus aren't they cool um, and then it's like oh they killed a bunch of us and now we're at war with them so like we better get on with that but you can't as a modern audience member I was never once like yay go Britain we defeated the Zulus yeah, the entire was time a... I was like yeah fair enough get out of the country there was a whole load of um, of political jiggery pokery and we'll get on to the battle in a minute which is the main film and the thing that I really like about it but but what happened is a rather incompetent um, upper class twit type Victorian officer called Lord Chelmsford led a column of British troops Shit, about seven or eight hundred British troops and about five or six hundred what they call native levies which basically means locally recruited troops not necessarily Zulus but probably tribes people and Boers and some Boer cavalry mm-hmm. up into Zululand. Contrary, is it, is it contrary called Zululand? To, it was called Zululand. Okay. Contrary to, um, like Disneyland, but probably right. with fewer not, jokes. But not Bongo yeah. Bongo no. Land. No. And, um, and, and again, like the absolute antithesis of any sensible type of tactics, he split all his troops off because he thought he was going to get hold of a couple of thousand Zulus who were armed with sharp sticks, basically, mm-hmm. and British who were armed with artillery and, and Martin Henry rifles, which was quite a rapid shooting rifle at the time, and they were just going to kill a few hundred of them and then they behave themselves. Okay. Unfortunately, what they didn't realise is behind the hill were 20,000 Zulus, <laughs> which then approached the thousand combined um, British and local troops and massacred all of them, or oh, pretty okay. much all of them. So in the movie, that's delivered as like a telegram in the yeah. opening. and that's in the morning mm-hmm. of the day that the film Zulu happens. So, so is this movie in... Is it like Titanic, in that it takes the amount of time that the battle took for the movie to uh, take? Roughly, I mean, the, the Zulus turned up at Rourke's Drift sort of in the middle of the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the, the leader of the Zulus had won his battle and was heading home. And one of his relatives, wanting to impress him with how great a warrior he was, because he wasn't engaged in the Iswandala battle earlier on, mm-hmm. said, oh, just across the river there in in the, the other country, which is because the river was the barrier, is this little pile of British troops. There's only a few of them. We'll just go and slaughter all them and that will make us look really brave. Um, so he took four, about 4,000 troops. Mm-hmm. Um, and headed towards um, Rourke's Drift. And, and Rourke's Drift was basically just a little river crossing station and a mission with a hospital. Um, and if you include all of the the wounded and everyone else there, they started the day with about 400 people mm-hmm. altogether, which was a mixture of, of British troops, um, Boers, uh, local native levies and everything else. By the time everybody realised what was going on and Zulus were attacking, about 250 of them had run away. Mm-hmm. And that left sort of 150, 200 basically British troops. And they're represented in the film as the South Wales borderers, right? But they're not the South Wales borderers. They're the 24th of foot. Yeah, there was a lot of... For, some, for, a, move, for a war movie that came out in the 60s... I mean, I don't know what I'm saying because I'm about to say it was fairly historically inaccurate, which I guess is what you kind of expect for a war movie in the 60s. It wasn't bad, but... What they've done is they've... To try and make it entertaining, and we'll go on to whether they succeeded or not in a bit, they tried to give all of these real people characteristics that they didn't have in real life. Yeah. 
but unfortunately it's still the 60s and they are a bunch of men and the kind of characteristics they're giving are not necessarily like, oh hooray, that one's an alcoholic and one a Victorian cross, like, oh congrats, I guess. Like, you were here because you were like being punished and like now well, I should they, be I happy mean, they, about it. They did use a little artistic license with the people because for a start, almost all of the soldiers there had massive moustaches and beards, as was the want with foreign posted people. But they're all clean shaven young British looking chaps mm-hmm. mostly. When I was there, uh, when the film when was there. When you were there. When I was there. How no, <laughs> old were you in 1964? When the, when the, when the film, 1964, I was eight. Um, <laughs> but it um, it was quite weird because they made a lot of the Welshness. There was about 40-odd Welsh people there. There's two in the movie. But um, in the, the ridiculous thing is out of the 150 people there, most of them came from Birmingham or London. Um, oh, yeah, no. All of these people were like, all right, old boy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, the, the Victorian officers tended to be... Uh, John Chard was different. John Chard was an engineer officer. And in the yeah. army, that means a civil engineer, someone who built bridges and roads I was going to say, he talks about how he came out yeah. down to just build a bridge. Would that be the bridge over the River Kwai? No, that would be the bridge over the Buffalo River, which is yeah. the river between there's Zululand no, and no Natal. But, um, um, yeah. Fun fact, the chief of the Zulu was played by Chief Mangasuthu Buthalezi, who is the great-grandson of the original chief that fought in the Zulu yeah, Chitawayo, battle. who was the original. And a lot of the Zulu warriors were descendants of the people that fought in the battle. So it was very nice of them to agree to do it. It was their great victory. They didn't know what a movie was, so mm. that was fun. But what sucked was that due to the law in the 60s, because everything sucked, they weren't allowed to be paid like their white counterparts. So to get round that, the director gave them all of the animals that had been bought for the movie set and he gave them all to the tribes as payment. Which is, again, really nice because they totally could have just had some free labour here and no one would have said anything about it because the 60s. But they went out of their way to make sure that no one was disrespected and no one was blah, 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 blah. It was a real breakthrough movie in terms of how things were done. And then although they took a little bit of artistic licence, mainly with the setup and everything mm-hmm. and the appearance of some of the people, in terms of the number of people engaged and how they did it, and the battle lasted basically from the middle of the afternoon overnight until the next morning okay. in, re- in real life. Mm-hmm. So they're representing about 12 hours in two hours of movie, pretty mm-hmm. much. And it did pretty much follow the follow the, tri- the time scale of the movie and, and, the, uh, and the timetable of the movie. Um, interestingly, it's always represented as the, as the bravest action ever by British soldiers because 11 Victoria Crosses were awarded in one engagement. It wasn't even a battle. It was just a little afterthought of the main battle. it's a cute idea for a movie to have this, like, 24-hour battle. Mm. Like, it makes sense to be put into a movie. It just, yeah, the whole time you're But most people now agree that the reason that so many Victoria Crosses, which was a relatively new award, by the way, um, had had been um, given out was to try and uh, um, try and persuade the public that a, a really fantastic victory had taken place when in the morning 700 British troops and 500 native levies had been slaughtered by the self-same Zulus and 
for about a one-to-one -one exchange rate. Bear in mind again that the Zulus were attacking with sharpened sticks, and the uh, 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 and the the British army had, you know, late nineteenth-century um, weapons, which were quite good. I mean, it was a nearly a half-inch caliber rifle, which would take your head off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and I mean, it was a very brave action. It got a bit Game of Thronesy, which was fun, in that like they would. Because it's like an ensemble cast, I guess. Even though they're like, big name, big name, big name. And introducing Michael Caine. It is like, you go through and you're like, here's the cook. And here's the, like, first aid man. And here's the thief. And here's the, like, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, in the midst of the battle, the cook gets, like, speared in the back. And I was like, no! I know that character! Um, but I didn't care for any of them they couldn't spend long enough with any particular character for me to give a shit whether they lived or died truly well it was actually um i mean you mentioned it was like an ensemble piece and they had to give everybody a bit but the battle was an ensemble piece no but yeah. as a movie like i don't like when when we go and see 1917 i'm sure we're going to really care for that kid from captain fantastic because we're going to be with him the entire movie yeah so if anything were to happen to him we're going to be like oh no because, like, I spent, like, an hour with him. But the reason so many people during the engagement were later gazetted, which is how they used to report on Victoria Crosses, and they didn't just have Victoria Crosses awarded, there was also the Distinguished Conduct Medal. But as a movie. Which was... With, but but they, they, had, they wanted to represent all of the people, because if, if they'd come to it later and someone had said, oh, well, there was 11 Victoria Crosses awarded and you only mentioned two of the people... Yeah, fair. It would look a bit daft, wouldn't it? I mean, and they did their best but like the only one that you remember is like when you watch a documentary about a school and there's the naughty kid that sits at the back and the camera keeps going back to it it's cookie is a hook yeah hook the the the, the thief he, yeah but he wasn't yeah exactly he was like a well-respected officer but they made him a thief that was there to be punished who then filmed all of his didn't even get to go to south africa he ended um, his studios he ended uh in real life he ended his life as a as an indoor duster at the British Museum, which was a, like a grace and favour job. That's a job? Yeah, yeah, he used to dust the exhibits. Where do I sign up? Yeah. I know, You're it seems great, doesn't definitely it? Definitely going to break something All of those people um, were looked after quite well. One of them had his Victoria Cross taken away. Another one had to sell his Victoria Cross because he was in poverty at a later day. Um, and nothing's and, and an awful lot of the people were later realised to have stuff, suffered from what they would now call post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. 4,000 people trying to kill you, and there's yeah. only like 150 of you lot. It, it, it was not good for most of them, although John Chard ended up uh, as a general and, and had a very successful army career. Um, the film, I just think, is really exciting. I mean, imagine you've got an eight, nine-year-old boy... Who's got this massive battle thing and it's really I mean, heroic. Especially and... watching it in 1964 on the big screen. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, when you look at... I mean, I don't like war movies at the best of times. But I can see this is well paced and it's well set up and they do their best with the characters. But I don't care about any of the characters. And I don't... It's about colonialism, so I don't sympathise It's about defending the empire, that's what you're supposed to yeah, care exactly. about. Yeah, exactly, and, and I'm remember, like, give it back. In 1964, that was before most of the African colonies had gained independence, so we still ran an so awful were, lot of Africa. So you sitting in the cinema like, ah, oh, yes! Yeah, yeah, places oh. like South Africa, what was then Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe, 
all of the, you know bits of the west coast of Africa, um, uh, north northeast Africa, places like that, still were painted pink on the map in those days, and they were actual colonies. So I've got a list of characters from the movie that yep. I remember that stood out to me. You've got Michael Caine, yep. who's like your Jack Sparrow. Who plays uh, Bromhead, who's one of the officers present, who was quite an unsuccessful officer in real life. So that's um, Michael Caine. And, yeah, and he, he plays him as Lord Fauntleroy, really, in uniform. Yeah. So. Um, and then you've got, if he's Jack Sparrow, you've got his Barbosa, who like turns up at the beginning of the movie and is like, I'm in charge of this camp now, and they're all like, no, you're not. And he's all like, listen to me. We're going to fight some Zulus. I want to build a bridge. Who's his, like, Barbosa? Yeah, but John Chard was the senior officer present. Although the strange thing you have to remember about things like the army is that he wasn't the senior officer present because there was a major there, but he was a surgeon, so he was out of the chain of command. And when you look at the histories later, you actually find out the guy who was the in charge of supplies there, who was the guy who was, like, in his 40s, had had previously been a line officer and he actually organised all the defences but he's barely mentioned not in the movie and John Dalton who is the guy in question didn't actually get his Victoria Cross until long after everybody else (laughs) um, because he wasn't a line officer but the two the two heroes if you like of the movies are the two officers who take on Jack Sparrow and Barbosa yeah so yeah Bromhead and Chard got that much then you got Hook the Thief yeah Colonel Mustard uh, yeah, who's the uh, sergeant major? The, but he, it was colour sergeant actually. Then you got the granddad from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, that might be the same person. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, the one with the big moustache, the one that looked like yeah. the granddad from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, yeah. 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 The the boy, the like seven. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the young soldier. Yeah, but uh, there were a lot of young soldiers in those days. You got the sick one. Yeah, the mad, the mad sergeant. The woman and her dad. Yeah. The Welsh one. Well, there was a couple of Welsh ones. And the Welsh one that sings. One of the Welsh, Welsh ones was played by um, uh, a very famous Welsh singer. Well, uh, yeah, there's the Welsh Ivor one that Emmanuel, who, who was actually a, a, a Welsh baritone singer um, and quite famous. He's from Port Talbot. Is he? Yeah. All right. Thumbs up, thumbs up from Port Talbot, eh? From, from the resident Welsh in the room. Um, Along with Michael Sheen and Richard Burton or something. uh, Richard Burton was in this movie. As the narrator. As the narrator. Yeah. Um, So they were all the characters that I saw in Zulu. Yeah, there's also um, one or two other people. The the really brilliant brilliant fight they have in the the hospital where the Zulus come through the roof. Oh, yeah. Um, and then they're fighting from room to room. That's in Twickenham Studios <clears throat> and uses local um, actors, not... That was, that was actually um, one of the most amazing true bits because Hook and one other guy held the Zulus off for 45 minutes Gross. while they dug their way through the walls with a bayonet so everybody could escape. Why does he have... And I know it's because it's 1964, but Hook makes a whole... His whole, like, subplot is that he wants the medicinal brandy from the yeah. cupboard. So right after he's beaten the Zulus off for 45 minutes, he smashes his way into the cupboard and pulls out the brandy and he turns around and he's got one, like, mixed with milk so we can see it on screen tear rolling down his eye which I thought was cray cray because I was like a man is allowed to cry in a 1960s war movie well 
I think it was the fact that he was supposed to show that he he was on a, he was a good chap really because when the when his old sergeant is 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 killed he's quite sad he's killed because oh, he's he he's his like yeah he's the, he's the one the roof falls on the oh because yeah, he goes back to get him yeah he goes back to get him he, but because when 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 he previously he was he had hook punished he sent money to his wife and kids but then that was fairly normal and the whole thing about booze is crazy because the army ran the same as the navy in those days and and spirits used to be issued to the soldiers what is like well that originally bread, soldiers used to get issued brandy right can i be issued brandy but because we spent so many years fighting against the french and then we developed colonies in the caribbean we started to drink rum for our forces instead of brandy because we could get older rum that's where we couldn't get older brandy historically inaccurate only pirates drink rum oh Right. Well, that's fair enough. But it was, it, was, it wasn't, again, it was one of these things to try and, um, I don't know, just, just take a bit of dramatic license. Um, yeah. So, but it was, it's a ripping good yarn. They that's got what me. It is. They got me when, so it finishes and dawn comes and they fought off the last of them and one of them goes, it's been like three hours and we still haven't heard from them. And they're all, like, doing roll call and, like, no one's answering because they're all dead and it's all really tragic. And then, like, Colonel Mustard's taking roll call. And then, um, and then, like, you hear the Zulus coming over the hill again and you're like, oh, no! But it's cool because they just came to be, like, thumbs up, lads. Yeah, well, that was very dramatic licensee stuff. I was going to say, did that actually happen? No, they just disappeared. Yeah, why would they come back to be, like... Because they'd taken loads of casualties. That seemed so, like... This doesn't seem like that's that sounds like something a white person would think a Zulu tribe would do. Because it also gave the impression that that the the defenders took a lot more punishment than they did. There's only 15 people killed on the British side, yeah, so and what, about 400 Zulus killed. Yeah, and in the movie, the Zulus come back and line up on the hill again and like bang their shields as a no, mark. No, they just of, it off back to Zulu. Land. But they do it. They do it as like a mark of like respect to herald them as heroes or something yeah. like as equals or something and then they go away again and everyone's like <sighs> but like that's such a white person thing to think a zulu tribe would that do. they would they would like come and uh, come and acknowledge the superiority of the british warrior, yeah like what the fuck that was rubbish <laughs> like, no that was, that was rubbish and the thing it is the zulus y'all. went back to lick their wounds because they the chief of the Zulus was was wise enough to know that now that this action had take place, that the British Empire, who you have to remember at the time, they were the world's only superpower. Like if you roll America, China, and Russia all into one in eighteen seventy five, that's what that's what the Why? British Empire was like. When Greece and Rome were like having democracy and photography and hygiene, we were digging potatoes out of the ground and killing each other with them. But we. But we were very successful at stealing most of the world and selling it for our own benefit. That's not something but, to be and, proud and to about. to be honest, we didn't start a military empire. We built an empire on trade, and then the, the armed forces were basically developed to protect the trade. Uh, That's what they thought. Protect the trade or to, like, we've got this country now, we need to come up with an army well, so you don't take it back from us. As we mentioned earlier, the reason they went into Zululand in the first place, because there was gold and diamonds there. It wasn't That's It wasn't because, we're you know, we're going to build libraries and, uh, and put a health centre in over here. And also, and... like, who cares? They're doing just fine. 
without you. Like, you don't need no, to No, but they weren't doing just fine our way. And we had a real arrogance as a nation in that Had-ed. everybody should want to be British the way <laughs> Americans have now, about everybody should want to be American. And it's it's very difficult in that situation as in, in your in your national thought processes to realise actually not everybody does want to be British and not everybody does want to be American. So it's sort of just the battle for Helm's Deep, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but like, with, le- with no CGI. Yeah, everybody no CGI. you saw running across the the ground was real. Yeah, and all of those Zulu people who were taking part. There's, not, there's no CGI in Helm's Deep. Were they were. The, the 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 Zulus running across were real Zulus with real weapons, but they didn't actually stab people with them. Because if you notice that, because they don't yeah, use the CGI, they would do stuff, a gone with the wind, a, miss, missing with the bayonet type <laughs> and stuff. And people you know. going ah, and there yeah. were like no blood. No, no, and only the Martin Henry rifle fired a bullet that was about the size of the end of your thumb. Right? Ow! Get out! And if it hit you, even though it was a relatively low muzzle velocity, it was still, like, messy. It would have made a big hole in you. And I don't know if you noticed, but when they were doing all of the things, like, you remember the trick early on where the Zulu chief gets all his Zulu warriors to stand up in a line and gets the British to shoot at them so he can count their guns? Clever. Right? Not sure that actually happened, but it, it makes for a good film. And all of the Zulus felled without a mark. I mean, like, even the hairdresser uh, yeah. would have been impressed. You know, not a, not a single mark on, not a hole in a Zulu. Yeah, there wasn't <clears> any blood in this movie. You didn't see anyone actually get stabbed. The no. worst you saw was the, the knife in the cook's back. And you yeah. could also see that he had, like, massive amounts of padding on his back. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the the spear was, like, going boing. Um but it's fine. Because actually, like, it means that you focus more on the story rather than, like, the gore. Um... And also, we shouldn't glamorise violence. Um, but it is the Battle for Helm's Deep because they start the whole movie being all like, oh, it's hopeless, it's going to suck, oh my God, we're going to die. And the missionaries are all like, it's hopeless, there's no hope. That's how the Battle for Helm's Deep starts. Then they come and try and attack and then they run away and then they come again. And it's, yeah, it's the Battle for Helm's Deep. Well, they, um, uh, apparently, according to um, eyewitnesses afterwards, the two British officers wanted to make a run for it. But James Dalton, um, the assistant commissary, the guy who was the, the real hero, um, convinced them that you don't want to get caught in the open by 4,000 Zulus with sharp sticks. Yeah, that's fine. Um, the thing to do is to hide behind stuff and shoot them with rifles because a rifle has got a much longer range than a sharp stick and... It's, they've got to get quite close to you with a sharp stick to cause any damage, um, which is why there was nearly 400 Zulus killed and only 15 of the defenders killed. And some of those were from rifle fire, from uh, guns that the Zulus had captured early on in the oh, day. Oh, yeah, that was smart. They yeah. brought their own guns to the but fight. But it was, it, was, it was quite... But, you know, shooting people with a rifle from a long distance is an art form, which is why people train to do it. But even so, if you shoot... If enough people shoot... You, you were bound to it something eventually. Yeah. <laughs> you know. uh, but it was, I mean, I just found, and I still feel, even though it has aged a bit, I still, I felt it, it stood up quite well. Yeah, I think, I found it a little bit boring, purely because, like... You don't like war films. I don't like war films, no. and we're meant to sympathise with colonial Britain and the Empire. Um, I don't actually think that it's... 
it doesn't push it, that it, it narrative. It doesn't push it very hard because it shows both sides and, and elements of their bravery. The fact that the Zulus kept coming all the time against guns. These, I mean, if you think about the, the horror of the First World War, which was only like 35 it. years after this. What? Right? This was after the American Civil War, this battle. Right? It was the last major war before the Boer War, which was the, bre- the century the next major war. when we fought in South Africa and we fought against the people we were fighting with at this particular what occasion. The... Uh, yeah, whatever. It's history. Why do we it's... suck? Because that's what we've done. We, we beat up people a lot and stole all their kit. Um, yeah, and they, 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 they just showed that the Zulus kept attacking and they had But in another movie, nows. that would have been shown as stupidity rather than bravery. Yeah. Yeah, whereas it was, it, and that that was something I think as a, as a young impressionable lad, I I was quite impressed with that these were really brave people fighting each other. Whereas most of the stuff I'd seen before that, like American cowboy movies, the Indians were just stupid to be slaughtered, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and they uh, they were cowardly and and they used sneaky tactics and stuff like this, and it's like. Well, no, actually, they're attacking with sharp sticks. You attack sticks. their country. And you, you tried to steal some of their country. Manifest destiny. But it was, I think um, Michael Caine is quite charismatic on the film. I think he, he attracts the eye, and you could probably see what the producers saw in him. I wonder if it would be as... I mean, I don't know how popular or big or good this movie is, but I think Michael Caine has something to do with it, if it is. Uh, well, bear in mind... Stanley Baker was the pig pull at the time. Yeah, but he's no Michael Caine. No. He's no. not. He would not do Muppets Christmas Carol as well as Michael Caine no. did. No, but he, he, made it, he made a living out of war films. What um, else was he in? Um, oh, all sorts of stuff. I recognise his face. He looks like John Cleese had a baby with someone well, else. Well, the, the, the missionary, the missionary yeah. and the, the officer Chard... Um, actually appeared as two of the people on the, a ship in a war film um, uh, called The Cruel Sea, which was based on a, a very famous book. Um, that's also an excellent film, and again, fairly true in its yeah. representation of what it fairly, is. Fairly, though. Like, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff I've never heard of. Yeah, but lots of war films. Lots of war films. Yeah. Because Snore films, as I like to call them. And again, like... <laughs> This was 19 years after the end of the Second World War. Yeah, it was only when they just stopped oh, making... Oh, Yeah, it's, it's, it's when they'd only just stopped making lots of war films and they started to make some historical stuff. Because around the same sort of time was when, I think, 63 or something was the first Bond film came out the year before. Really? Dr. No, 62, 63, something like that. Um, lots of sort of stuff was coming on. Man from Uncle was on the telly. It, it was like the slight... Swinging 60s type stuff. Because, again, the 60s didn't start until about 1962 and finished in about 1968, the actual 60s, 60s. And this was very much a film of the time about more equality for people. It was the year before the Race Discrimination Act was published in the UK. That's crazy. A a representation of a changing world where people were treated with more respect and honour. And I, I, I sort of got that even in my my youthful state. I got that at the time, um, and it, and again, it, it's rip roaring yarn. Really good film, and I thought that it stood up 
against the ravages of time. It's not bad. I can see, I think, like, yeah, if you like war movies, especially, like, obscure little battles that we fought when we had an empire, like, it's it's good. They haven't remade it. The Zulu from 2013 with Orlando Broom is about something else. Um, like, do you think they ever will remake it? I doubt it. Because the thing is, when you, when you look at it through a revisionist lens of history now, it's a... It's a <sighs> It's a fairly uh, unglamorous period when we were raping and raping and pillaging our raping. way, raping, raping and pillaging our way through Africa, stealing everything. You know, half the crown jewels is dug out of the ground in Africa. Oh, for God's sake! It's all just stolen. You Why know, do the we and diamond stuff like that. And because no pay fi- we charge we could... fifty pounds for people to go see stolen jewels. Yeah, um, and. Um, we just we just took we took the opportunity. We we had to bring the benefits of the white man to Africa. That's oh what, that was the whole thing, and it really was. It's quite. People thought they were on some sort of crusade to take Britishness to the world. Did they call it the crusade? Well, they didn't call it a crusade. They did first time round. Uh, yeah, but that was about six hundred years earlier, and that was actually a crusade, which was. Um, set up by the Pope and said, "Go and kill all the heathens." Whereas actually, they, the uh, the Muslims in Jerusalem at the time were far more civilized than we were. And Everyone a... was far more civilized than we were. Um, and, and the, the Why Arab, did we think we were so good? At, at the time, was was inventing astronomy and complex mathematics. I know that like from that. Robin Hood, Prince of yeah. Thieves. Um, but we but we were better. We were better because we had steam puddings and we ate cabbages. Um, yeah. So I, I just. It, I, I doubt very much if those sort of colonial battle wars will ever will ever get remade. Or if they do, perhaps they'd be made, remade by um, the other side, as it were. Well, the, the, if you look at it from the Zulu point of view, you've basically got a nation of what you'd consider to be unarmed people. They had sharp sticks and mm-hmm. leather shields. Took on the world's most powerful nation. So it's equivalent... And it's equivalent to um, something like, uh, I don't know, Putney taking on the US Air Force and Army. For us. Right? That'd be fine. Um, and armed loads, loads of people in swimming trunks with sharp sticks take, taking on the US Marines. Right? That, that's the equivalent. And they won. Mm-hmm. And in open combat... With, with no mitigating circumstances, a Zulu army, admittedly of 20,000 people, destroyed some of the finest troops the world had at the time. Lol. Um, I think, yeah, I think going back to, like, seeing it from the other point of view, like, that's what Hamilton is, basically. Yeah. Um, and we all know how successful that is. So it would be interesting to hear... But like, that bends history a lot more than Zulu does. Well, it does and it doesn't. Like, sh- don't come for Hamilton until you've seen Hamilton. Um, it like it doesn't twist history history as much as you think it does. I watched Lagan, which was a Bollywood movie about the like the Brits were the villains and they yeah. um, blah blah blah. It was I think it was made up, but it was an interesting way to see the people that live in the country that the Brits had colonialised and the Brits were the, like, residential military force that were just there reaping But India, India is, is, a, is a much more complex thing because India actually had loads of successful states and princedoms um, uh, and, and what the British basically did is they united them through trade 
and the um, the East India Company that ran basically Which ran. Which we know from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> India was eventually taken over by, by the British government, and their army became the British Army, and their navy became the became the British Navy. And it was all it was all about trade. And the reason that the, in, the there was no India before the British. The British made okay. India. Well, right? this has got nothing to whereas do with Whereas in Africa, we did it completely differently. We chopped it all up. Whereas India, we actually united what was already there. Mm. But it, it was just colonialism. It's just... People still do it, but they tend to do it now through financial leverage. Um, but they don't make movies out of it where you're meant to be like, hurrah! No, no. But it, but it was... Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a different era. It was a different era. So, do you like rewatching it? Yeah, I do actually. I still enjoy it. I mean, I, to be honest, I would tend now to fast forward through the first bits. Really? They, what the good bits where they well, established the Zulu as a well, community of people? I know who the Zulu are. Bear in mind that if you look behind you, you'll see that there's about five books on this particular war um, oh my God, about Rogstrift and God knows what else on my bookshelves there because it's it's an exemplary defence. Of a of a surrounded station, um, and the Zulus did make some mistakes in what they did. Although they actually could have won it at any time. You have it's... so many boring books. Yeah. No. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. 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 I um, but yeah, yeah. So I I still find it fascinating, and regardless of all of the hype, it's still a a, a stunningly heroic defence. Regardless of whether they were in the right or the wrong. It was a hundred and between 150 and 200, depending on who you listen to, but about 150 English people or British people against almost 4,000 um, Zulu warriors. And the Zulu warrior was no pushover. Um, and they were armed with guns, not all of them, but some of them had guns that they'd taken. Bear in mind that about a thousand rifles came available on that morning Mm -hmm. with all the ammunition as well. Mm -hmm. So even if only one in four of the Zulus had a rifle, they still outgunned the British nearly 10 to 1. Mm -hmm. Um, And the important thing was not to lose because there was a relief column going to come. And basically it was the excuse the British wanted to take over Zululand. And the Zulus did not come out well in the end. Have you seen Zulu Dawn? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Do you not like it as much? No, because that's just really about about a long series of cock-ups by a stupid officer who bought his commission and had no military capability whatsoever, which is fairly common in the Victorian army, who made all of the classic mistakes you wouldn't expect from uh, someone who'd never even read a military book, never mind was a general in the army, um, about splitting his forces and not protecting people properly he had his line of defense too far away from his camp just loads of stuff and they and they created lots of myths about that battle about you know various things that the um that the zulus did or they couldn't the british couldn't get at the ammunition and all this sort of stuff which was complete nonsense um and uh, even down to the fact that they said the the zulus mutilated the british corpses afterwards whereas a bit like scalping by um, native North Americans, they re- they used to cut the stomachs open of victims to release the spirit okay. out into the world because 
when you have a body that lies in the sunshine for some time, mm-hmm. they basically blow up into a big black balloon and then explode. Ew. So it was quite respectful to allow them to decompose, letting the gas out. Um, but yeah, a happy note to uh, nice. to round up on. But that's basically, yeah. If they remade it, who would you cast as <coughs> Michael Caine? Um, I think you would... I would I would be more honest in the in the casting and you want an actor that represents someone in their early 30s not quite as Lord Fauntleroyish well, as Michael, Michael Caine, Caine could have just done as Michael Caine but they would they would be public school boys yeah. right so I mean that's what they would be would it be Flimbleflam's number snatch uh, no no he might play Lord Chelmsford who, who was head of the column earlier on and did a complete load of rubbish but there was it was part of the, the the Warwickshire regiment at the time so there should be some brummies there so instead of people going there's lovely they should be going um you're right bab you know and 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 just mix it all up make it more honest because there's no harm in reflecting the truth of a matter it doesn't make the stand you know, it was a much. It makes the BBC viewers angry. Yeah, well, but it was it was it was a much more significant military action than, for instance, the uh, the Battle of the Alamo, um, which the Americans make there. a <laughs> lot, lot of. But it, it's yeah, but yeah. So, and uh, I I still enjoy the film, which is why we have it on DVD, yeah. and I have the opportunity to watch it anytime I like. Yeah, it's all right. Give a watch. Fancy. Yeah, it's fine. If you want to see Michael Caine, Michael Caine, fresh out of the box, he had done five movies beforehand. You know, but yeah, Michael Caine. It's his first significant starring role. Mm. Um, fresh, fresh out of the box, Michael Caine. Um, and why people recognise him as having charisma and stuff. He was then. hot as well. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, he was pretty boy. Mm. So that was silly. Do you have anything to plug? Uh not really. Um, well, except I would actually plug uh, older films to a lot to a lot of your audience because they didn't have the they didn't have the opportunity okay. <laughs> to do special effects, CGI, everything like that. So they okay. tend to be written better. Give us your top three old movies that people won't have seen. <sighs> Damn Busters. You won't like some of the aspects no, about it. No, we won't like some of the aspects of it. But it's that that's very good. Um, I would say um, The Great Escape, if you've never seen The Great Escape, oh. that's quite good. And that's like an all-star fun. And again, that was a true true story. And um, things, things <laughs> yeah, I suppose Bridge on the River Choir is quite good. Um, I, if you're looking for old, I was waiting for like Brief Encounter and Casablanca. No, 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 because they're they're made up soppy tales. So, Whereas these, all these things are real. It's it's like if you want to watch a Titanic film, don't watch Titanic. Watch A Night to Remember, mm. with Kenneth Moore playing Second Officer Lightoller. Mm. That was much better film. Um, Did it have Reach for the young. Sky with Kenneth Moore? The Buzz Lightyear movie. Film? What? The Buzz Lightyear. No, not a Buzz Lightyear. It's not. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> to infinity and beyond. It was. It's again a true story about about a very brave man who was a complete nutcase. But anyway, he was a very brave man. So yeah, 
Okay. That's my plug. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. That's okay. Thank you Did for the you invitation. In- you're welcome. You can find Why This Film on Instagram at Why This Film. You can email into us at whythisfilmpodcast at gmail.com. If you liked Zulu, if you've ever seen Zulu, if you never want to watch Zulu, Zulu, let us know. I've had a whole glass of wine. Um, we're on Twitter at Why This Film. We're on Facebook at Why This Film Podcast. Um, I'm Emily Slade. That was my dad, Tony Slade. Thank you for listening, and join us next time on Why This Film. Bye! Bye. We watched the film and we talked about it, but now it's time to say goodbye. We'll be back again with another movie that makes you want to ask why. Why? Why This Film Podcast has a Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid. Head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast and you can select a tier. For £3 a month, you can join Camelot and enjoy early access to episodes, including seasons one to three. You'll get to vote in polls and get a personal shout out on the pod. For £5 a month, you can join Fern Gully with instant access to everything from Camelot. Fern Gully members can also enjoy bonus content, live episode voting power, plus access to monthly movie night. Grab your popcorn and a drink of your choice as we pajama up and watch a movie together remotely. And for £10 a month, you can join the Enchanted Forest, where on top of everything from Camelot and Fern Gully, you can be part of a live episode where we all discuss a movie chosen by you. And if you're not into 80s and 90s animated tiers, you can skip all that and make a custom pledge of an amount that suits you. Or you can head over to co-fi.com forward slash why this film podcast and buy me a coffee with a one-off payment. We will be adding hot chocolate to that coffee and probably cream and marshmallows and sprinkles, but you don't need to worry about that. Thank you to all who donate and thanks to my patron David for supporting this episode on Patreon. Why This Film Podcast is my happy place. I love chatting to guests and revisiting long lost movies and I hope you do too.